0: Acts chapter number sixteen. I wasn't sure whether to be offended or not when he said perhaps Wednesday night you'd get a short sermon, insinuating that maybe the ones I usually preach are long. Should I be offended at that? Well, I'm not not hurting real bad. <laughs> Acts chapter sixteen. In verse number 12, Acts 16, verse number 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of that city of, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me faithful, to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Father, I pray that you'd bless us. Lord, we pray that you'd open our hearts tonight as you did that of Lydia. Lord, if there's those who are listening who are unsure of their salvation, unsure of how to attain it, then, Lord, I pray that you'd open their hearts. Lord, those of us who are saved, and maybe we're a a little needy in some areas tonight, and I think we all are. I pray that you'd open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Women in this day and time were not held in high esteem, and it was tough on women. It was tough on them to make a living. It was tough on them to survive, especially if they weren't married, and it was tough for them to have any kind of recognition much. But we see recognition going to this woman named Lydia and while the church is is generally overseen by male leadership according to several passages in the scripture, most New Testament churches today would be in a world of hurt without the faithful women who serve and we've got some really faithful women here that serve. Praise the Lord for them. But I would submit to you that not a small amount of ministry in our nation would thrive as well as they are without the ministry of the women within their four walls. Men, women, boys and girls of all ages and all backgrounds, races, ethnicities, no matter how big or how small, can be used of God. And we see here, I think what the, the Bible talks about in one place it says despise not the day of small things and I preached sermons on that before small things now this lady was not a small lady I don't know how big she was physically but she was not a small lady uh, in business she had a great business going she's making good money evidently a seller of purple purple was a very popular dye in in uh, that area of Macedonia and they it was an expensive dye and so she was probably making making good money, and she evidently says her household uh, was uh, saved and baptized as well after she got saved and baptized, and so evidently she was well off enough that she had servants and so forth. There's no mention made of a husband, and so we assume that her household would be servants. Oftentimes the Bible talks about a household being uh, existing of servants and, and workers around the home, maybe some children or some relatives of some sort. But we see in the example of Lydia a great example and tremendous encouragement to other ladies and to everyone who would want to do something for God no matter what their ability might be. God, I guess we could just say it this way, God can use you. No matter who you are, God can use you. Notice with me, first of all, Lydia's territory, where she lived. She lived in a, in a place that probably not very familiar to you and me unless we read a little bit of history about it. Paul and his company had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. They wanted to go over into a certain area to minister, and they'd made up their mind, that's where we want to go. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there, not now. I want you to go somewhere else. They were forbidden of the Spirit to go. Sometimes you can have, it would have been good, don't you think? Paul would have done, done a good job if he'd have gone over there and preached to those people where he meant to go. And yet, that's where it comes in very important listening to the Spirit of God because, as important as Paul was and as great a missionary as he was, he didn't know everything that the Holy Spirit knows. And so the Spirit said, No, don't go over there. I've got something else for you. And so then in a dream, a man of Macedonia appeared in a vision in a dream and said, Here, Come over and help us. And Paul perceived that that was the Holy Spirit directing them in a different direction. Philippi was a capital city. It was a big city. It's an important city. It says in, in verse number 12, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city. Notice that those phrases, chief city of that part of Macedonia, a chief city. Uh, this was part of the Roman Empire and this Macedonia was broken up into districts and evidently this was one of the primary districts. It was a great uh, city set apart for recognition of Rome. Um, Philippi was 10 miles in uh, inland from Neapolis and it crowned a steep hill encircled by two rivers and it received its name from Philip of Macedon who was father of Alexander the Great. And he had coveted nearby gold mines, and so this was uh, kind of a special place to the Romans and to the Greeks. In Paul's day, Philippi is still in its kind of its glory days uh, of Rome and the uh, Caesars, Augustus, and so forth. And the Romans had divided Macedonia into four administrative districts and this city that Paul's going to is a primary city in that district. And it says in verse number 12, watch this one. It says, and it's and a colony. We hear a lot of talk about today of colonies and uh, colonialism and people despise America because we colonialized America and therefore we took over this country from the Indians. Now, just... I don't have anything against Indian people. I love Indian people. And most Indian people would agree with this, that this country was not ruled by a tribe of Indians. It had a bunch of tribes that they all warred against each other. They had human sacrifices clear down into the, uh, to, uh, South America. And so they were, they were brutal in their wars. And so this land had not been captured by a single tribe nor one dominant tribe It was shared by all the tribes of Indians. And so Philippi was a colonial city. Uh, We hear talk even in recent news about Israel. Israel is being pounded now because uh, college students in secular universities are siding mostly because they get their news off of TikTok. (laughs) They get their news there, and you know it's all got to be true. And so they are siding with the Palestinians, the Hamas, and they're saying, uh, we hate hate Israel because they're colonializing Arab land. Do you ever look at a map of the Arab land? I mean, it's spread all across North Africa, all the way across into Asia, and sinks deeply into the south, and one little speck at the edge of the Mediterranean Sea One little microscopic speck in all that Arab land is Israel. But Israel is the aggressor colonializing Arab lands. Isn't that strange? Well, this Philippi was a colonial city. And Rome ruled the world uh, through her colonies. And so Rome would go over here if they wanted to have a strong influence on this side of a continent. They would establish a colony over there. And through that colony, they would promote the Roman Empire and loyalty to the Roman Empire. And through that colony, they would, they would promote the glory of Rome. And so this place of Philippi was a colonial city. And the people who lived there were primarily, I guess, transplants put there to talk up Rome now, there were some Jews there and some ordinary Gentiles that were not religious, but there are a few, like Lydia. Uh, she, they didn't have a synagogue there, but she was from Thyatira, where she had probably heard about the Lord. And while she didn't get the full message in those synagogues because they were Jewish and they didn't present the Savior, but she brought some God-fearing characteristics with her when she moved to Philippi. Moffat calls Christians a colony. He says, You and I, we're we're kind of a colony because the Bible says our converse in Philippians 3:20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for other Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you and I, we we make here here at the church and other churches of like faith, we make up a little colony of representatives from heaven. And so we try to increase our colonialism. I don't hate the word. I think it's a good thing that we try to reach others for Jesus Christ and we promote patriotism towards the Lord Jesus and towards our heavenly home where we will live for all eternity. And so Philippi was a, was a cold city, and it says, and we, uh, in verse number 12, last part, and verse 13, it says, and we were in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, <coughs> where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Now Paul, look here, Paul, as his practice was, as he traveled in his missionary journeys, when he got into a town, you know where the first place he went was? The synagogues. He was of Jewish background, and the religious people gathered at the synagogue on one day of the week to worship God. Now, even though they didn't have the salvation message of the gospel, that's where Paul wanted to go because that's where the people who knew about God at least would recognize the Messiah would come someday. So Paul would always go to the synagogue first and preach the gospel, and he'd win converts there. And then he would He'd just keep going back and forth there and and winning people, and finally he'd establish a church. But here at Philippi, there was no synagogue. And that's why I said it was a cold place, religiously cold. Now, there were a few people who knew about God, and they didn't have a synagogue there. There had to be at least 10 men, according to Jewish custom and law and tradition, It had to be at least 10 men, no matter how many women they had that were wanting to worship, they had to have at least 10 men to form a synagogue. Well, evidently, there weren't very many men there who were godly men. And so it was the women who went down to this river on the Sabbath day to worship. And so Paul, not being able to find a synagogue, guess where he went? He went where the people would be gathered to pray. And that's why he ended up going down to the river. He's just looking for a friendly face or two to preach to. I don't know how that feels, don't you? You guys have preached before. Don't you like to look out and see somebody that's kind of nodding a little bit? Maybe somebody that's smiling a little bit. Maybe somebody that gives you a, an amen once in a while? Which are scarce around here. Ladies, I'm I'm trying to be on your side. This This scripture is about... Ladies being used of God. Lady like Lydia. So if the men are not going to say amen, I'm going to enlist you ladies to do it for them, okay? <laughs> well, Paul knew where to go on the Lord's Day. You know, there's a lot of people that name the name of Jesus Christ that don't know where they ought to be on the Lord's Day. Now, they were Jews and they went to the Sabbath on Saturday, the Sabbath day. In the New Testament, we worship God on the Lord's Day, on Sunday. But he knew where to go, and those women knew where to go on the Lord's day, or on, I should say, the Sabbath day. But there's people today (laughs) that claim Christ as Savior, but they don't know where to go on Sunday. They end up being in the wrong place. Well, I just thought I'd throw that in. There's a little group there, and they're all sitting along the riverside. They go there to pray, and those women are gathered together. Maybe they had some scriptures to read, and Maybe they prayed together and spent their time worshiping God as best they knew how. They hadn't learned anything. Well, they'd learned some things at the synagogue maybe in the past from where Lydia was, but it was incomplete and inconsistent. And so now here they are sitting on the riverbank doing the best they knew how to worship the Lord. They didn't know about Jesus. So they're sitting there on the riverside and Paul shows up. And like a preacher ought to do, he said, let me, uh, let me speak a few words to you. <laughs> and so he preached the word of God. And those, those women were hungry for the word of God. Lydia was. The Bible says the Lord opened her heart. So we know whatever Paul was preaching that day, it would have included the gospel because it says that after she believed, she got baptized and her household. So no doubt he was preaching the blood of Christ. There is a fountain filled with blood and he let them know about that and they realized, hey, what we've heard over the synagogue just got us partway there. Here's the rest of the story. And so they heard it from Paul. Oh, I bet their hearts were hungry. Their soul was thirsty. And when they heard the culmination of the story... Of how to get to heaven, I'm supposing their hearts must have really been full. You know, people people are really hungry for God. They love the preaching of the Word. They want to be where it's going to happen, and that's why we want we want Liberty Baptist Church to always be a place where you can come on Sunday and hear the Word of God preached. Paul set out to uh, reach his European. ...conquest by reaching Lydia. Notice, secondly, Lydia's trade. In verse number 14, the first part, we talked about her territory, now her trade. And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira. One heart, at least one heart, was opened that day, and that was Lydia. She was a seller of purple, you know, she was a a good woman, and a good woman is important in the work of the Lord. I mean, now honestly, I think we have a good, great number of men in our church that a lot of churches don't have. A lot of churches, they've only got women, women and children, and they've got hardly any men that show up for the services. Thank God that we've got men here. I mean, we got some real men. We got some. We got some great men. We got some. Uh, masculine men I appreciate that but here's some women who saw a preacher come along and preach the word of God and they opened their hearts a good woman is usually appreciated I know in this ministry I appreciate the women who serve I hope we appreciate women more than the than the man in Maine that reported his wife missing to the Bureau of Missing Persons. It had been 15 years. <laughs> the chief said, she's been missing 15 years? Why did you just now let us know? He said, well, I just got kind of lonesome. <laughs> well, we, it would be kind of a lonesome place around here without women, wouldn't it? Everybody says, women ought to say. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Paul appreciated Lydia, I guarantee you that. When he went there to preach, and this woman, her eyes must have been glued on him, her ears must have been open, and there must have been visible recognition that she saw the Spirit of God working through Paul. Thank God for that. She probably was a Gentile herself. She was a businesswoman selling purple dye. Notice uh, thirdly, her tenderness, Lydia's tenderness. In verse number 14, the last part, Talking about Lydia, it says, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. You know, listen, she didn't only just listen in one ear and out the other. I saw a cartoon a couple of days ago. A man's talking to his woman, his wife, and he said, no, honey, that's not right. He said, it's not even going in one ear. <laughs> This woman not only listened, she attended to the things. As Paul preached, maybe he was preaching on how the fact that, that people are sinners, all people are sinners, no matter where they are, whether a Gentile, whether they're a Jew, he's preaching all people are sin, sinners, and she's listening. And he's preaching that Jesus went to the cross and paid for their sins with his own blood because he loves mankind and does not want man to go to hell. And her heart was open. She attended, she listened, and she thought about it. You know, how, you know how a cow will do out in the pasture? A cow graze on the grass a little bit and then go lay down in the middle of the day and in the shade of a tree and chew on that grass on the cud and just ruminate on it. These people, like these that gather at the river, must have been chewing on that, rolling it over and over and over, thinking about what Paul had said. I think it's every preacher's dream that when he preaches the people actually pay attention <laughs> and they actually think about those things. And like, I did think about preaching on uh, Nehemiah tonight because of the Wednesday night thing, but it'd be hard just to pick out one there and, and not be able to prepare you for the whole the whole 13 chapters on Wednesday night. Uh, so I went a different direction. But when you study Nehemiah for that Wednesday night. We'll have fun with it. But when you study, when you read through those chapters in Nehemiah, more than just scanning across it, I wonder if the Lord is not more pleased when we stop and we really look it over. I'm all for reading through your Bible in a year. That's a fine thing. I've done it before. I'm not doing it now. Uh, Instead of reading through the Bible a year, uh, I'd rather slow down, focus on a passage of Scripture, maybe a few verses or a chapter. Read it, reread it, and then chew on it. Ruminate. Let it soak in. Ask myself, what, what does that have to do with me anyway? I don't think the Lord wrote that just for my amusement. There must be something there that I can get out of. It. There must be some devotional thought. There must be some doctrine. There must be some sin that needs to be conquered. There must be some reason why I need to know what's in that chapter or that passage. And so I tend to focus on that more nowadays uh, than I did earlier when I just rushed through the whole scripture. We need to go through the whole scripture. Read it all. To become familiar with where the books of Bible are located and the general theme of each one, but to ruminate on a passage and absorb it. Oh, that's what's valuable. These ladies were doing that. Lydia soaked it in. She was ready and responsive to the message. I think when people are really responsive to the message, it makes a difference in their life. I remember some of the, the old glory days back in, the, uh, back in the 80s when I first got saved. I remember going to some revival meetings. Man, the preacher would get up and, man, he'd just preach his heart out and <clears throat> he'd preach the scriptures straight and plain. People would get something that was doing some good. It was helping them. And boy, when the invitation was given, people would come forward and man, every aisle had people flowing towards the altar. Nobody was going out the back door. Nobody's running to their car to get out of the parking lot. Nobody's running to the bathroom. Nobody's trying to go out and check their phones. People were coming towards the altar. Why? Because God was speaking to their heart and they realized after they chewed on that that God expects something out of them. It's not just entertainment. I think we've gotten so entertainment oriented by watching TV, looking at our telephones, scrolling, that things bounce off of us a lot easier. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, I think it's harder for you and me today with all the technology we have. I thank God for technology. But boy, it's easy to get in the habit of just scrolling and seeing what you want to see and keep on going. Well, not to just scroll the Word of God. Well, to get into it, and soak it up. That's what Lydia did. She was soaking this up. And man, when I don't know whether Paul gave an altar call like we do here or not, but he he must have had something where she could respond and the Lord opened her heart. Notice her testimony. Verse 15. It says, And when she was baptized. You know, she had a testimony. Her, Her baptism, when she got in that baptistry, That was saying to the people around her, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. I believe when he died, he went down into the grave. I believe when he resurrected, he came up out of the grave. I believe he's alive and in heaven today, just as alive as he was the day he came out of that grave. She was giving a testimony. You have a testimony. Everybody who's saved has a testimony. And... People can dispute your theology, your logic, or your interpretation of Scripture, but they can't do much about your testimony because that's yours. That's your testimony. I got saved when I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. When I put my trust in Him, I know I got saved that day. Say, how do you know? Because I was there when it happened. Yeah. And you were there. And nobody can tell you about your testimony. That's your testimony. And you've got a testimony that you can speak to others about, and we ought to. This baptism was, a, was public in nature. Uh, she, was a, she was a well-to-do woman, and when this woman who was wealthy said, I believe on the Lord Jesus, and she went down to that old river, and she stepped out in the water and waded out a little bit deeper, and Paul put her under the water, or whoever's doing the baptizing that day, when she came up out of the water dripping wet, rich woman with her hair hanging down all sopping wet, her makeup washed off. No, wait, they probably didn't have a lot of makeup then, did they? Yeah, oh, they had purple dye. Well, anyway, she gave a testimony with her baptism. She's saying, I'm not too rich to honor the Lord Jesus through this ceremony. I'm not too proud to say I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm not too important to minimize myself to go down into the water and have somebody else to help me up. That baptism was a testimony. What an occasion baptism should be in our lives to tell others around us, I belong to the Lord because I believed the gospel. This was also very productive in nature. Look at verse number 15. It says, and her household. She got baptized and the rest of her house did too. Her testimony was powerful enough that those other folks said, well, if she believes, I'm going to believe too. I want to go to heaven. I believe Jesus died for me. Now, I'm not saying you just monkey see, monkey do, but believing in your heart. And these folks did. If if Paul thought they were worthy of being baptized, he must have questioned them about their salvation, don't you figure? He must have been satisfied that they believed, truly believed, and trusted the Lord as their Savior, or He wouldn't have baptized them. Often one person standing up fearlessly can make a difference to everybody that they know. I appreciate people who go to work and are not ashamed of their testimony. Joey was telling me before church tonight, uh, being out eating with some of his fellow officers, and, and evidently some of them not believers, or at least not people who prayed publicly, and he said, when he got ready to eat with them, they were, they were eating together, and they said, Okay, Joey, pray for us this Sunday and pray out loud. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Why well, would be ashamed to pray in public? I mean, people are not afraid to cuss in public, so why are we afraid to pray in public? People are not afraid to go naked in public. A lot of them do it. Thank God for cold weather coming, huh? People will cover up again. <laughs> We ought not to be afraid to let our testimony be known. When I first got saved, I ran with a rough crowd before I got saved. I mean, rougher than you folks are.
1: (laughs) I ran with a rough
0: crowd. I mean, the drunken the drunken crowd, the doping crowd, the 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 worst people, moral people you can imagine. And we were young and stupid, and we did a lot of things we shouldn't have been doing. The day I got saved, I wondered, now, how are my old friends going to take this? And I thought, you know, I could kind of keep it hidden a little bit and maybe they won't know. And I got thinking, no, drinking has been my downfall. If I keep it secret, they're going to try to coax me to drink again with them and then that's really going to put me in a pickle. Best thing I can do is just tell everybody I see, hey, I got saved last week. (laughs) And I decided to do it that way, and guess what? Nobody ever offered me a drink after that. Well, not around home anyway. Some of the crowd where I worked with out of town did, but they just did it one time, and I told them I got saved, and they never did it again either. I'm saying our testimony is valuable. Lydia gave a testimony, and it was a practical thing too. When <clears throat> when in verse 15, the last part, it says, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Lydia, her heart was open. Her heart was open to the Lord. Her heart was open to the gospel and her home was open to the missionaries. She said, come on in if y'all want to stay. Now, don't don't read into this something that's a little bit gray or dark. Uh, These... Men in this missionary party, and certainly the Apostle Paul, would not have done anything unseemly. And today, we th- we see, if we see a man and woman living together and not married, or staying together, or spending the night together, we think, oh, I see what's going on there. That's not what was going on here at all. Paul and his team, well, see, in those days, they didn't have motel uh, motels and hotels on every corner. They had a few old inns where you could kind of camp out. But a lot of people back then, as they did even in, I can remember a few years ago, when people ran boarding houses, have you ever hear, heard of a boarding house? <laughs> and they would, they would rent out rooms in their own personal house to people who needed a place to stay because housing wasn't readily available. I mean, after the Depression era, uh, not everybody had a house, and certainly not a big one, and uh, people just didn't have, and they didn't wander around homeless like that much in those days, everybody had a place to stay. And it might be a boarding house. And sometimes widows, they didn't have any other income. And they were maybe too old to do hard field work. And so if they had a bigger house, they'd rent out rooms in that house to people just like, a, like it was a hotel. My grandma and Grandpa Mankin up in Melbourne uh, ran an old hotel. I can remember seeing that thing. I was just a little tight, maybe a little older than Brianna. But I remember seeing that old hotel. It was just an old board building, an old two-story building, the Melbourne Hotel. And they ran that thing. And people rent rooms in there. And There was nothing going on, you know, unseemly and nothing's going on here. This is the way people made a living. And the Jews were very hospitable people too. That was big in the life of a Hebrew is to be able to supply needs for their fellow Israelites. And so... Lydia had the ability, being a rich woman, she probably had a house big enough that she told the missionaries, come on in and uh, make yourself at home here. I've got business to take care of, but y'all stay here and you can go out and preach in the daytime and sleep here at night and I'll provide some meals for you. You know, keeping those missionaries wouldn't have been a cheap thing to do. I mean, especially if you've got four four grown men in their middle ages, they'd eat like Connor and Zach. <laughs> I mean, those two guys—they stayed out there all night where those tables were, looking, hoping somebody'd bring those tables back and those crockpots. You know, <laughs> they didn't go home. <laughs> you no, know, Lydia was feeding those missionaries. When when I was when I was 16 years old, I think it was the first public job I ever had. They were building a Douglas aircraft building in Melbourne, Arkansas and uh melbourne just a little wide place in the road not very big population i think it's probably 600 or so back then and the douglas aircraft uh, built a new aircraft building there where they manufactured airplane doors and i got a job working with the bricklayers and block layers and i was just a little scrawny 16 year old but that's that's why I've got hernias all the time. I'd grab up one of those wheelbarrows full of cement that weighed ten times more than me and wheel it down there. And know, you know how bricklayers are—they're up on the scaffolds. Mud, mud, brick, brick. And they're just yelling, wanting you to bring them stuff all the time. And so we're taking the shovelfuls of mud and throwing it up, a shovelful at a time, up on the mud boards, up on the next one. And there'd be another one of us on the second row taking that same mud and throwing it up to the next row of scaffolds and carrying brick or block, running block all the time. Uh, Those blocks, I think this was before they started making those lightweight blocks and these things, I mean, it took a grown man to lift one of those things and here they got little skinny 16-year-old guys like me carrying one in each hand to throw them up on the scaffolds and it was tough work. We, you know, noontime come and man, we were starved to death. You know how teenagers eat. Right? I mean, like a horse. (laughs) And we were starved to death at noon. There was a couple of old women over in town. And uh, I think one of them was a widow and the other was the uh, town marshal's wife. And they had a big old house (coughs) and (coughs) had a big old dining room. I think the dining room was half as big as this auditorium. And had a big old table. And that thing looked like it was 20 feet long. And those two old ladies would fix meals for us We'd go there at noontime. I think we just got off 30 minutes, if I remember. I don't think anybody ever took an hour off back in those days. You got 30 minutes for lunch. We'd jump in our car and go as fast as we could to get over to Mrs. Vaughn's house, and we'd all run in there and sit down, and the whole table, I mean, the whole 20-foot table was covered with sliced tomatoes, cornbread, and pinto beans, and black-eyed peas, and... Mashed potatoes and everything you can imagine. Fried squash. I'm talking about all that good stuff. See, some of you folks don't know what fine eating is So you eat at that table. Mrs. Vaughn knew how to, she knew how to put the stuff on the table, man. And we'd go there, and we're just wolfing it down, you know. I mean, we're going faster than Connor eating that stuff. And we're just wolfing it down, eating plate after plate as long as there's food held out. I think it was a dollar a plate. And you could eat all you wanted, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) and it was good stuff. As my mother used to say, it was larrapin. We'd get filled up in about 25 minutes. They'd give us five minutes to get back out on the job, and those two old ladies made a good living. You say, at a dollar a meal? Yeah, (laughs) a dollar a meal, that's pretty good money because I was making a dollar forty an hour working my tail off all day long, (laughs) Uh, shoveling concrete and mud and, Carrying blocks. Well, they did that back in the Jews' days. They worked hard that way. And two old ladies like that could make a living going about. That's what Lydia is doing here. There's nothing, nothing uh, unseemly or sexual in nature of this at all, or Paul wouldn't have had anything to do with it. Lydia was providing for those missionaries, and it was probably expensive for her to put them up to feed them, take care of them. She could have been renting those rooms out to somebody else that was paying. But she was giving to the missionaries. You know why? Because she had her heart opened and she was doing this for the Lord's work. Just think about how many souls the Apostle Paul were talking about. Think about how many souls the Apostle Paul raked into the kingdom of God while he was staying there and had a place and a person to look after the missionaries. Thank God for Lydia. You know, <clears throat> it was it was not something slight that she did. She did something big. And this is not just something that women can do, but every man, boy and girl, has the opportunity to do something great for God. No matter whether you think you can or not, you can do something for God. I mean, you can pray, can't you? You can witness. That doesn't cost anything. And you can come to church, show the Lord your faithfulness. That doesn't cost you anything. I mean, a little bit of gas to get here if you live out of town, but serving God pays. As Adrian Rogers used to say, it pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. I think it paid for Lydia to serve God. Whatever your station in life is, you can do what Lydia did. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless us tonight. Help us to thank you in this Thanksgiving season for people like Lydia, who herself was not directly involved, maybe in a big ministry, but she made it possible for those missionaries to do their work And Lord, that others were saved and a church was established because she took care of the people of God, the men of God, the ones who were doing the preaching, the ones who were doing the soul winning, those who were missionaries reaching out for Thee. I pray that You'd help us tonight to pray about how can I personally do something for God? What can I do? Who can I witness to this week? Can I read through Nehemiah? To do a good job on Wednesday night, can I give in the offerings so that other missionaries in this ministry can reach out to people with the gospel, to disciple people? What can I do, Lord? Can I be an encouragement to somebody? Maybe somebody's down on their luck, somebody's having some pain or some difficulty or some troubles. Can I be an encouragement to them? Can I help somebody in need? Lord, help me to be like Lydia, who opened her heart and opened her home and opened the doors of the kingdom for others. I pray you'd help us all to think about how we can do that. Our heads are bowed. And